This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. No EJ today. He's doing his show on the NHL Network live from The Rock. And we're going to try I think we're going to come back and do a podcast tomorrow. I just think it makes sense coming off of Game 7. Why wait until Wednesday? Unprecedented. We're going to do a podcast tomorrow. We had to do one today, preview the Game 7 between the Rangers and the Devils, talk about the two Game 7s last night, but I think we should come back tomorrow. Right, Anthony? Just makes sense. Why make people wait till Wednesday? And hopefully we'll be able to get EJ on tomorrow, kind of recap Game 7, preview the second round. You you on board? You good? I mean, this getting in at noon thing is a hassle for me, but yeah, sure. I can. Well, listen, you come in at noon. I don't even make it seem like you do this just for me. <laughs> Stop it, because you, you're feeling good. Everybody, let's give Anthony a collective round of applause. He had the Kraken. We all thought he was a yo-yo. We all thought he was just doing it to be different and special. Well, guess what? He is different. He is special. He picked the Kraken, the young expansion Kraken, just two years in existence, taking care of the defending Stanley Cup champions in seven games. And, and I got to tell you this. Um, kudos to you. They were the better team. I mean, when you look at the series, I know they squandered the um, you know the one nothing lead, giving up four unanswered goals in Game Six. They could have wrapped this up um, back uh, on Saturday in Seattle. But listen, they scored the first goal in every game of the series. Um, it's not like Grubauer stood on his head. He did at times, and certainly did last night. They caught some breaks, some posts. Seattle had some posts too. Uh, they were the better team. They just were. I mean, I don't think this is any kind of fluke. Usually when you see teams upset teams, and we'll get to Florida and Boston in just a second, it's about you know, something glaring, something weird, something unforeseen. As as um, Freddie Shiro used to like to say, the unseen hand. Uh, no, I, I just think Seattle was better. And I don't know if there was a cup hangover. Is it Georgiev? Is it the lack of Landeskog? I don't know. But uh, give Seattle credit. They deserve to win this series. And we'll see what they do against Dallas. I think Dallas uh, is another beast altogether, but certainly nothing different than what they saw against the Avalanche, maybe just going about things differently. And the second round is different than the first round, obviously. So there'll be a different set of challenges. But, hey, if you can beat Colorado, I guess you can beat anybody. So Seattle's feeling pretty good, and that's great for that fan base. Great to kind of get things started. We saw Vegas make their run to the cup final in their first year. Seattle gets out of the first round in their second year. So kudos to Seattle. And they are now off to round number two to take on the Dallas Stars. Don, is it possible for a person that had two goals in a game to be snake bit like Oliver Bjorkstrand? (laughs) Because he should have had like five. Uh, It should have had five, and I'm still not even sure he had the first one. I, I don't know how that went in, but good for them and and, you know i don't think the fans of colorado should be overly depressed i mean you won the stanley cup last year and and certainly you're not going anywhere but this is what happens in the nhl this is the sport that we have chosen and this is a league that does not honor the favorites it does not honor home ice it does not honor president's trophies it spits in the face of those things and anything can possibly happen what a brilliant bracket system the nhl's put together right uh, I know, but it's, it's uh, a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. Um, I still would change it in a heartbeat, but it's still a lot of fun. <laughs> um, but um, the big story, of course, is uh, Boston going out and and losing to Florida. Uh, a couple of things at play here. All right, um, is it the biggest choke job ever? 
uh, three chances to win the series and, and losing. I, mean, I guess that's probably what's more shocking, the, the fact that Boston lost the series or lost it up 3-1. Because if you go back to the last President's Trophy winner to bow out in the first round, that, of course, would be Tampa getting swept by Columbus. That was jarring, right? I mean, lose all four games after winning the President's Trophy, not even winning a game in the postseason. But, you know, um, Hedman was hurt and, and, and all that. There was, But you, you bowed out. I mean, it, it's not a choke job. It's just you didn't show up. Uh, this is three chances to close it out and didn't do it. But give Florida credit. Um, I want to start there because it's so easy what happened to Boston. You know, Florida's not that far removed from winning the President's Trophy themselves. Last year, if you remember, um, or at least uh, being the, um, yeah, they won the President's Trophy, 122 points. They lost in the second round. Um, there's been some changes. They lose Uyghur and, and, and lose some guys here and there, um, Huberto, but they, they are still a really, really good team. And so you look at a one versus an eight, but last year they were the one, and they're not that different. So there's that, all right? That's number one. Not your typical eight seed considering was a team that won the regular season last year. But with Boston, and and we talked about this with EJ a few times, and Anthony and I brought it up too. I'm not even going to sit here in front that, oh, we saw this coming. Nobody saw it coming. They won record in wins, record in points, and and to get bounced in the first round is crazy. But if there was one area where we thought, is it legit? Fugazi seems a little strong. But is it legit? The surprise that made them great was their goaltending. I mean, Swayman's a kid. Allmark never showed you any signs in Buffalo that he was a future Vesna Trophy winner. And he's going to win the Vesna Trophy. He was the best goaltender during the regular season. But when you watch the playoffs, did his chariot turn back into a pumpkin? Whatever it was, but the goaltending just wasn't the same. You know, Bergeron certainly wasn't 100%. Now, maybe Allmark was also under the weather to start the series and played through it. But, you know, whatever the circumstances, it was really the goaltending. The the most glaring thing to me was the Game 6 in Florida. You know, give up that many goals? Well, seven goals, including the empty netter? Uh, for a President's Trophy winning team, a team that had like a plus thousand goal differential during the course of the season. So it really wasn't the offense. It was just a lack of really quality goaltending throughout the series. I know Swayman played very well last night, but it's never one game that cost you the series. Everybody's going to remember game seven and giving up the goal with a minute to play and all that. But uh, it really was just a whole series of you know, up 3-1. How do you, how do you let this happen? Uh, there's nothing to do about it. I mean, you're not going to fire the coach or make any kind of changes. The question is, is Bergeron come back? Was that his last game? People were surprised that he gave it another kick at the can this year. Is he willing to go through it again? But is let's Krejci just dis- done too? Excuse me? Krejci? He's probably know. done too, no? You know, one of the things that kind of came to play is he came back for them, right? And, and he was great last night. But you lose Krejci, you lose Bergeron. I mean, I, I, I hate to think you're going to go from President's Trophy to rebuild. I mean, they, they still have a tremendous amount of talent there. Uh, but, um, you know, clearly... Uh, President's Trophy is is not the trophy to win, and, and I'm just I I don't know if Anthony saw this tweet. I don't know why it bothers me. I probably should go see a therapist. Why certain things bother me? But I I saw it trending. It was trending last night after Boston lost. President's Cup was trending. 
It's not the president's cup. It's the president's <laughs> trophy. Why do people call it the cup? I get people that don't follow hockey, but you have people that follow the sport. One of the betting apps tweeted out president's cup. I, I had to respond. I said it's the president's trophy. It's not a yacht race. Yachts are not racing. If yachts are racing, you call it the president's cup. You were fired like, up yesterday. I, no, I was. Listen, I thought I had some. I, my my tweet game was hot. Wow. I don't know what the kids call it. But um, it was lit. Maybe my you game. Used maybe front already. You used lit today. This is this I is was, something. Uh, but it was lit. I, I I had the whole Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross uh, gif. Uh, because let's say the Eastern Conference is, of course, wide open. Who's got the you know what's uh, to take it? But but here are the stats, and, it, and it's in, it's interesting, Anthony, because it's kind of broken down um, nineteen to eighteen. All right, and here's what I mean. The first President's Trophy was awarded in the 85-86 season to the Edmonton Oilers. And it was 19 years before we had to cancel the season because of the lockout. There have been 18 seasons since the lockout. So it's pretty much split. Before the lockout, after the lockout. Before the lockout, we saw six of the 19 President's Trophy winners win the Stanley Cup. And there was also an additional... Um, three that went to the conference finals. So, of the of the nineteen, six won the cup. Another three went to the conference finals. So, more than half at least won a couple of rounds. And in that span of time, only twice did a Presidents Trophy team get bounced in the first round: the '91 Blackhawks and the St. Louis Blues in 2000, who lost to the Sharks. If you remember, those are the only two. So, since the lockout. Stanley Cup champions, since the lockout, there have been two. The Red Wings in 08, the Blackhawks in 13. Only two, as opposed to the six before. Bounced out of the first round, one, two, the the Red Wings, the Sharks, the Capitals, the Canucks, the Lightning, and the Bruins. Six. Six teams in 18 years winning the President's Trophy out in the first round. Conference final appearances, there have been, you ready for this? Conference final appearances, two. The Rangers Rangers in 2015, the Sabres in 07. So you've seen out of 18 years, Anthony, 18, 14 of the 18 lost in the first or second round. It is incredible. Now, it's been suggested by some that since the President's Trophy winner is guaranteed nothing, that are you afraid that's going to become like the NBA, that playoff teams aren't going to be motivated by winning their division or winning the President's Trophy because there's so many upsets and home ice doesn't seem to manage, and are you afraid that there's not going to be um, the, the great teams really trying to kill it to set any records or win games? Now, there's no indication that that's happened. Boston... Might have rested some guys here or there. That's just smart. But they were playing compelling hockey right down to the end. Uh, Carolina wanted to win their division. Vegas wanted to win their division. right? I mean, I, I saw these teams go out there. Colorado wanted to win the Central Division. I, I saw everybody really give it the effort. So I don't think it's an issue. But maybe is there some room for discussion that there should be more than just one extra home game for a team that is clearly the best team in the regular season? Or do you like it the way that it is? And I got to tell you, the story that came from last night's Florida victory, that that's compelling. That's fun. You know, and I, I think everybody wants to be the best. 
But um, the upsets, I think, are very compelling. The door is now completely swung open in the Eastern Conference with Boston being gone now. And you look at the game tonight, Game 7, Rangers-Devils, you know, you can make the case the winner of this team can come out of the East, and the loser's going to be out in the first round. Did we not give, Don, enough thought when Boston got the injuries to Felino and I forget who else got hurt, but somebody else got hurt for Hall. them too. Hall, that's right, I'm sorry. Down the stretch, and they started struggling a little bit. Did we not give enough kudos to the fact that this might be something to be concerned about? Now, we never thought that they would lose in the first round, but if there was a time where they weren't playing their best, which is hard to say, breaking every record imaginable in the regular season, that recently was the time they have not played their best hockey? Well, it's it, the reason it probably wasn't something that was talked about is because all anybody wanted to talk about at that time was the circumvention of the salary cap. Right. Because everybody knew Hall was going to come back and they acquired Bertuzzi and Bertuzzi was good. Um, and I think a lot of people just chalked it up to, well, what do they got to play for? I mean, look at Tampa. This is something to pay. See, you, you hit on something here. I, I, if you ask me what is the issue with some of these teams, now it's not a steadfast rule, but take a look at the teams that are out early. All right. I do think there's a theme to multiple goaltenders. You know, Boston's had to play multiple goaltenders, they're out. Minnesota had to play multiple goaltenders, they're out. You know, teams that have toyed with um, extra goaltenders uh, had some trouble. And the other is I think that when you're engaged till the end of the regular season, it, it helps you. Now, it didn't help the Islanders, I get it. But, you know, Tampa, they were twiddling their thumbs, they were stuck as the three seed forever. And did that maybe, was it difficult for them to find the gear? Well, the other team that was stuck in there, two seed forever, was Toronto. So it's tough to tell. But does that hurt you? Did it hurt Boston that, you know, Florida was battling to the end? It's to make the playoffs. Florida was playing playoff games for the last month. I remember when were the Rangers down there? Like it, it was New Year's. Yep. I, I had a Ranger Panther game. I was talking to Steve Goldstein, their television voice at the time. He's like, we're not going to make the playoff. We're going to have to play. We're going to have to win like three of every four games the rest of the way to make the playoffs. Like they were talking to Florida like they were going to be done. And they played their hearts out, made it, so it was just easy for them to just stay in fifth gear when the playoffs started. And meanwhile, Boston had nothing to play for literally since since the, the turn of the calendar, basically. And did they just have some trouble? Because even up 3-1, you know, we can blame Bergeron being out, but it wasn't like they were killing the Panthers. They did have that one big win, but... Maybe you just maybe you're going up against teams that have been motivated, uh, as opposed to a team that has you know flatlined for a while because they didn't have anything left to play for down the stretch. Maybe that's a little bit of an issue. I don't know. Do you like how I sidestepped the Rangers Devils Game Seven conversation? Why? How did you do just, that? Just side just brought you back to the Bruins because of my nerves. Oh, well, listen, Anthony. I got to tell you, you know what I love about you know um, doing the Rangers. And I've gotten a chance, you know, whether it's play-by-play or, or, or hosting these games, is I've gotten to see some amazing hockey. I mean, I just lo- just looking at here's some of the stats. Since we, I'm sorry, we're going to get back to Game Seven. <laughs> I put it in our rundown. I read it all. The Rangers have won eight of their last nine Game Sevens. That's a lot of Game Sevens. That's a lot of that game they've sevens. been in. How about this stat that's going to blow you away? I don't know if you saw this, Anthony. Because I doubt you were listening to the post-game show on Saturday. How dare you? Going out and partying. You're single. You know, you went out and celebrated. I was listening. I heard every Sam call. Well, all right. Well, then, then you know, then you know that 
the Rangers have won 15 elimination games in the last 10 years. 15. Mm-hmm. Second is Montreal with nine. With nine, yep. They've won six more than anybody else over the last 10 years. That's incredible. I think Kreider's comment was the best because they talked about how he's tied with Messier now for the most elimination goals right? in not only Rangers history, but just NHL history. And he said, well, we've been in a lot of them, so (laughs) that helps. Well, that helps too because this will be Kreider's ninth game seven. He's only been in the league like a decade. I mean, he's played in – this will be his ninth game seven – so that's a lot of experience on the Rangers' side. Facing elimination coming through, of course, five out of six wins in elimination games last year and how in 15 of them over the last 10 years and all these Game 7s, winning eight of the nine. Of course, the only loss was Game 7 of the conference final in 2015 against Tampa. And kind of weird, Lindy Ruff, 0-4 as a head coach in Game 7s. That's the worst in NHL history. So, and obviously the Devils very inexperienced in the playoffs, never mind just game seven. So, um, it'll be a pretty interesting game tonight, eight o'clock, and the winner is going to move on, and the loser is going to kick themselves for maybe missing a really glorious opportunity uh, to make a run here. And again, that's no disrespect to anybody else, but when the King is dead and, and Boston's gone, you know, you got a chance here at a run. Well, since you listen so intently to the post game show, you know the answer to this trivia question I'm about to throw it. I also tweeted oh it out on Saturday as well. Um, have fun with this, everybody, if you want to just um, floor some of your diehard hockey fans who think they know everything. Name the five Hall of Famers on the last Leafs team to get out of the first round. That was back in 2004. <sighs> Believe it or not, they had five Hall of Famers on that 04 Leafs team. So I guess you didn't hear this. We had Sam was still hanging around. Here's what you love about Sam Rosen, because I notice like when I I'll do the post game on radio, and Sam will still be in the radio in the television booth because he likes to listen to the post game. He likes to write down the comments because he's so thorough. So he he asked if it was okay if he hung out in the post game to listen to the um the players. So he was still there. So I asked him the trivia question, and he'd not farewell. So don't feel bad. So did you? if you didn't hear it, Anthony, then maybe you don't know. If you don't know, do you want to take a stab at the five Hall of Famers on the 04 Leafs? Sundin is one of them? Of course. That's the easy one. That's the slam dunk. That's the one that you should get. See? I don't Now I don't feel as bad. Right. To not get all of them. I did see that you tweeted it out, too. Yeah. <sighs> 2004. Five Hall of Famers were on that team? Five Hall of Famers. That's amazing. And of the other four, they're all known. All known for their exploits on other teams. As a matter of fact... Oh, man. So if I'm a Ranger fan, I should be embarrassed, correct? Well, not embarrassed is strong because it was a, it was a dark period that you probably chose to forget. <laughs> Was Leach on that team? Yes, Brian Leach was on that team. So Sundin, I got the Ranger and I got Sundin. I feel good about right, myself. right. So and so and, and including Leach, the others all won cups with other teams. Well, you know they didn't win them with Toronto, right? Unless you know, Pete <laughs> Stemkowski is not, and he's not in the Hall of Fame. But Pete Stemkowski didn't hang around for the '04 season. That'd have been amazing, huh? He was already um, calling games for the Sharks at that point. Give me the other three. All right. The other three, I'm going to save the best one for last. All right. Uh, Joe Neuendijk, mm. who, of course, won a cup uh, with the Calgary Flames and the New Jersey Devils the year before. 
Um, well, actually, in 2000, he won a cup. Uh, then was on that um, 04 Leafs team. So Joe Newendike, of course, more known as a Calgary Flame than anything else. Um, Ed Belfour. Oh, okay. Who won a cup in Dallas with the Stars. My, my clue to Sam, because he for whatever reason, he didn't get it when I said he won a cup in Dallas. I said he's known for throwing up in the back seat of police cars. Oh my! <laughs> so Sam still didn't get it. Um, and the last one you'll never get in a million years. He he was traded at the deadline to Toronto. Played twelve games in the regular season and played all their games in the postseason. Wow! Hall of Famer. I'll give you a hint. Think Whalers. Whalers. Hung around into the Hurricanes. Francis? And, oh yeah, Ron Francis was on that. The Hurricane helped me out there, team. definitely. Yeah, so those are the uh, five Hall of Famers. Matt Sundin, the no-brainer. Belfour was the goaltender. Uh, Neuendijk, Leach, and Francis. So that's uh, pretty interesting stuff. And, and they still got bounced in the second round anyway, so it's been a while since they've made it to the conference finals. we got lots to get into here. Let's hear from you. Uh, at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. Let's go to David. Now that Toronto has finally advanced past the first round, the next team to constantly fail advancing past the first round belongs to the Minnesota Wild. They've been there six times since they last won in 2015. Will they ever figure it out, or is this Toronto 2.0? Well, they got to get the goaltending figured out. And I know the loss, even though Dallas was better, and I don't think there's any shame in losing to Dallas, but believe me, the people of Minnesota are really just getting frustrated, and this team hasn't done very much. Of course, they had that run. Anthony and I talked about it a couple of weeks ago in 03 when they went to the conference final with Jacques Lemaire, but really since then, not much happening with them. So not quite Toronto because it hasn't been 19 years, and of course, they haven't been around long enough, but boy, the so underrated how the Leafs are snake bit. Haven't won a cup since 67. That was the last year of the original six. That's how far that goes back. Haven't been to the final since then. And they don't even not have a cup. They haven't been to the final since 67, and then finally 19 years uh, to, it took them to get out uh, of the first round. This is something, Don. I saw a tweet about it. Minneapolis has one of the longest, if not the longest, championship drought lengths in all of sports. Just to make a championship and win it in terms of seasons. Well let's think. Something right, like so. that. I don't remember I wish I could I wish I can remember the the account that saw it, well, but they said well, Minnesota getting it. bounced. Now they have one of the longest droughts of a city. In well, the, the four majors. Well the Wild have never been to a final and the, the, obviously the T Wolves have never been to a final. Uh, the Twins' last World Series was 91, so that's over 30 years ago. And the Vikings' last Super Bowl, I want to say, was Super Bowl 12 when they lost to the Raiders. So, uh, so I'm looking at something I saw that longest current Big Four championship droughts. It's kind of cheating because San Diego and San Diego and Buffalo have gone 57 years. Minneapolis has only gone 31. They just happen to have 14. <laughs> So right. you have well, the Vikings, new, the Twins, Minnesota. the Wild, and the Timberwolves, and all of those teams since the Twins' 91 World Series have not won a championship. So they're tied with Buffalo, who only have, of course, the Sabres and the Bills. They've also gone 117 seasons, but they only have two teams. And so thank it's been God the Cavaliers had LeBron James. Otherwise, you know, the Cavs were never going to win. So it's most seasons, <laughs> yeah, which uh, is well, kind of cheating. But you, but yeah. you get the point. It's been a long time for Minnesota. No, it's been a long time, and and, and that will continue because I don't think the Twins are going to win the World Series this year. So. 
Um, Courtney says, hi, Don. I actually think the upsets from last night are good for hockey because it means anything is possible in the playoffs, but others disagree because the remaining teams, minus New York and New Jersey, are from smallish markets. Does the B's Avs losses hurt the growth of viewership? <sighs> we get into this conversation. You, know, you hate losing big markets, and Boston's a big market, and you don't have Chicago now, and you don't have Detroit, and you lost Los Angeles in the first round. But listen, I, I just think right now it's about the stories, and, and you've got great fan bases and of course if the rangers advance you've got the number one market in the country and that's certainly going to help and you've got the best player in the sport in Connor mcdavid in the playoffs that's certainly going to help and dallas is no small market you know and they've been good for a while so i, I don't want to get caught up in the television ratings that have all been very good it is what it is i right? think it put so, you on the map don but nobody complained when vegas made it no. as far as they did when when nashville made their cup run that, that turned that place into a hockey town all of a sudden. That's it. I mean, that's so, a great way to look at it. I mean, Seattle now, you know, I think they've really gravitated to this team. But, you know, fast forward, like a lot of expansion teams, like 10 years later, no playoffs or no advancement out of the first round, and then maybe things get a little stale. So all of a sudden, Seattle now becomes Hockey USA up there, all by their lonesome. You know, nobody else is other than Edmonton, but in the United States, nothing else really close. So and the Mariners are off to a bit of a slow start. So they've got that kind of market to themselves here for possibly the next couple of weeks to a month. That's good for hockey. Um, you've got again three game sevens in the first round. That's compelling for sure. You've got decent sized markets with New York still alive, Dallas still alive. So um, no, I, I think this. You just want your sport to be compelling, and and it certainly is. James says, hey, Don, where do the Bruins' elimination rank with your in terms of biggest upsets, worst collapses? I know the Bruins did blow that 3 nothing series lead against the uh, Philadelphia Flyers in 2010, but this feels worse than that given the season they had and their expectations. It's got to be. I mean, this, this is the equivalent, and uh, maybe this sounds a little bold. This would be the equivalent of the Patriots losing their first game after going 17-0. I mean, to break the record for wins and points and to not be able to get out of the first round is right up there as, you know, one of the greatest collapses slash upsets ever. Ever. Now, we've seen President's Trophy winners lose. It was shocking that Tampa got swept by Columbus, but to be able, really almost shattered the record for wins and points. Where they have three more points than the 76-77 Canadians. Um, the, the record was 62 wins. They won 65 Lost to a team they were 43 points better than? Blowing a 3-1 series lead? Oh, it's definitely in the conversation, at least. Sean says, obviously you are too much of a pro to ever let it show. But do you find a conflict in watching Devils Rangers since you grew up a fan of, of New Jersey and now cover New York? Or does it all go to the side of the mic once it turns on? Well, that's the easy answer, of course. Now, do I feel a pull? Um, you know, is it weird to be sitting in the bridge level at Madison Square Garden next to Patrick Elias and Marty Brodeur and, and and be a Ranger guy? But again, it just comes down to I love working around this sport. I love having to go to the Rock tonight and get paid for the privilege. Um, and the Rangers and MSG allow me to do that, so it's not as as difficult a decision. But you know, if the Devils win. 
Will I like root for them to move on? Yeah, just as I would have rooted for the Islanders to move on too. I want hockey to be vibrant in New York. I want it to be a topic of conversation on the Michael K show, and that's what drives me at this point. I have my memories of being a fan of the New Jersey Devils. Um, and then I made the decision to do what I have done, and, and it's been not only the right decision, but it's been thrilling to be a part of what has been a nice run for the Rangers here in the going on 20 years that I've been doing this. Look at all the Game 7s. I mean, you know, taking a look at – I, I have I have covered all uh, nine of those seven games that we're talking about in recent history, so um, that's made it fun. So, no, it hasn't been uh, that difficult at all. Sam Diaz says, Don, Florida beating Boston in the first round seems to be the biggest upset in playoff history. Can you think of a playoff upset that was more improbable, and how much of a chance do you give Florida versus Toronto now that Toronto has finally won a playoff series? Um I was thinking about it after Toronto won on Saturday that I love them against Boston. I just did. I just I think they broke they broke the seal. And and we forget sometimes how loaded this Toronto Maple Leaf team is. So I am going to pick the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'll do the homework and we'll we'll dive into more of it tomorrow when we preview the second round and recap game 7 from last night, but uh, I do give Toronto a tremendous chance to advance not just because oh it's florida although how embarrassing was it anthony that the fans outside of uh scotia bank place were, were, were chanting we want florida that was lame i'm not gonna blame the leafs for that but their fan I, I understand in your heart yeah you wanted to face florida path of least resistance i get it but uh, a better chant a more iconic chant would have been we want boston knowing the history hasn't been on your side or, or were they just being realistic i don't know but that didn't that that, that just hit uh, poorly. All right, let's go to Coco Costanza. He says hi, Don. Pittsburgh, Washington couldn't make it. Boston out. Avalanche out. Lightning out. Do the teams that have advanced signify a shift in the power dynamic of the NHL? Is this Panther win a franchise-defining upset? Well, I think the run to the the run to the Stanley Cup final in '96 is the defining moment in Panther history. Um, but this is a big one for sure. Um, when they knocked off Pittsburgh to get to um, to advance was probably their most iconic moment back in 1996, but you might be too young to remember. I don't know how old you are, um, but that was pretty significant. But a power shift, what is a power shift? I mean, I, yeah, clearly Pittsburgh and Washington there are kind of in a rebuild mode. Yeah, there's a shift in where I think now the, the best teams in the Metropolitan Division, clearly Rangers, Hurricanes, the Devils have now made that jump. Um, and you look in other divisions too where – um, yeah, listen, I don't think Colorado's going anywhere. I think they just got beat in the first round, but the Avalanche are still loaded. They're not going anywhere. I mean, Boston may make some changes just because if Krejci leaves and Bergeron leaves, that things might be a little bit different in the highly competitive Atlantic division, but I don't think there's any shift going on next necessarily. Anthony says, hi, Don. Why hasn't home ice advantage been a factor in these playoffs? Well, here's my theory. Um, I don't think it's. I think it's the most. It's the least significant of the major sports. It always has been. We've seen home ice not matter quite as much. And and my theory has always been special teams. There's such an importance on the power play in these playoffs. And unlike any other sport, when your power play is unsuccessful, it saps the uh, energy out of the building. 
to the point almost where it allows the fans in your building to turn on you. Right? They, they start chanting, shoot the puck. They boo you when the clock expires. Uh, they are, they, there's almost a reluctance to cheer when you get a power play. I saw it with the Rangers. You know, they're one for their last whatever it is, 15, and you get a, a sense of apprehension when they go on the power play, a sense of impatience when they're on the power play, and they let the team have it when they're off the power play. So that's the only theory that I can come up with. Um, Coop says, as much uh, as I watch Jack Hughes marvelous fans game after game, I realize the huge gap in talent at the NHL level between our number one pick in Lafreniere and the Devils Hughes, who seems generational. Uh, besides Jack's speed, what impresses you about him overall of Alexei's skill set? Well, that's it. Different skill set. I mean, listen, it's not Alexei Lafreniere's fault he was drafted first overall. But clearly, Jack Hughes is a better player. So circumstances tell you that if Lafreniere was in the same draft class as Hughes and Kako, Lafreniere would not be taken first overall. He wouldn't be taken second overall. You probably would take Kako over Lafreniere. It's just circumstances. He has got a skill set. He has got. He reminds me of McDavid in the sense that he can do a lot skill-wise with high speed. There's tons of guys out there that can fly. But can they move the puck? Can they handle the puck? Can they pass the puck? Can they shoot the puck when they're in fifth gear? He's got the ability to do that like McDavid. McDavid does it on a level that nobody else is close to in the current NHL. But if there is somebody that's second, and Wayne Gretzky said this, that it's probably Jack Hughes. Now, I think he's been accused in the last couple of games, quite honestly, of trying to do too much, especially in the last game. So good job by the Rangers to kind of shut him down. But he made a pass. I, I forget when it was in the game. I'm like, how did he see? How, how did he feather that pass through? He's just, he's really, really special. He's really, really special. But sometimes I think he's trying to do a little bit too much. And he had some times to try to do too much in the first two games because nobody else was helping him out. Uh, JJ says, who needs to really step up on the Rangers if they're going to win tonight and make a legitimate run at the Cup? I say Patrick Kane. Yeah, Kane listen, Kane would help. Kane looks like he's older. Kane looks like he might be having a little something going on physically, quite frankly, um, because he has not been what I thought he would be. But the Rangers are always at their best when their best players play their best. And that's not that sounds like it's a pretty obvious observation, but especially with this team, you know, when Tarasenko scored, Zabanajad scored, Kreider had all those assists, yeah, they win the game. That's that's fairly simple. When you're asking, you know, your fourth line to produce offensively for you, then you know you're in a little bit of trouble. Um, so, listen, they need Zabanajad and Panarin to be those guys. I, I think I find it very difficult to believe they might be able to get by tonight. But there's no way this team is making a cup run with with Panarin, you know, sitting on two points. That that's not going to happen. He's too good a player. He's too important a player. Um, he is going to have to eventually step it up. There, There is no replacing what he can bring when he's on top of his game. So we'll see if they can get by tonight. But if they're going to make any kind of run beyond tonight, you know, Panarin's going to have to certainly find his game. That's the name that kind of pops into my head. All right. Uh, I wouldn't say it's unprecedented, but we are going to come back tomorrow and do another podcast with EJ, recap what happened tonight at The Rock, and preview the second round. So if you want to get in touch with me until then or set things up for some tweets with EJ on Tuesday, at Don LaGreca, hashtag Game Misconduct. Make sure you put the hashtag so I can find the tweets um, with all the people that listen to the Michael K. Show wanting Aaron Boone and Brian Cashman fired and people freaking out about the Knicks losing their first game yesterday. So 
at hash, uh, hashtag game misconduct. At Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct is the better way to spit it out. All right, we'll be back with you again on uh, tomorrow, on Tuesday. Uh, congratulations again to Anthony Pusick on doing what no man has done before, and that's pick Seattle to win a playoff series. So good on him. We will talk to you again tomorrow. This is the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.